Hi, and welcome to The Thriving Entrepreneur. She's Rochelle Learling. He is David Foster. And we both help founders and entrepreneurs just from, well, what would you say, different perspectives. Yeah, sure. I'll go with that today. All right. We'll go with that today. <laughs> also today, we want to talk about when employees don't get along, people in your team. People characterize it in different ways. They're fighting. You have a whole team that's like up in each other's grill constantly. And the end result of that is usually missed deadlines, lousy product, incessant complaining, which often is directed towards you. And, you know, oftentimes a founder or an entrepreneur will say like, am I the judge? Am I a jury? Am I a referee? Am I a fully armed combat advisor in a military zone? And, you know, no one takes a job, very few people take a job with like pure malevolent intent. Like I'm gonna sign up and then watch me, I'm just gonna mess with everybody. Even so, you have these conflicts, and a lot of founders end up asking themselves, where do I find the time to supervise this recess activity like a child's playground every day? What an intro. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, kids' playground. I guess I just wanted to add that working with people is, is pretty hard, and I guess we didn't really think about that when we signed up for doing business, um, working with people can be very, very complex, can cause a lot of stress and tension in the team, as you said. Um, and I think it's best, um, and we'll dive into that, to, to not be conflict avoiding here, to name it as it is and be proactive. Uh, because yes, it's going to be draining once it drags on. And uh, as you say, it can be a job you don't want to get into, but you cannot avoid um, as long as the team actually aims at the same goals and is going at the same mission, um, they should all work out. So there is an upside and things could get better um, if you were to manage people better and know how to solve conflicts. I don't disagree, but I just want to point out that awful instance of the should word in there. <laughs> like, yes, it should work, but so many things don't. And, you know, it's probably a good idea to say, all right, so what is conflict? Let's just separate almost like two types of conflict. We have, well, what we're talking about, where people don't agree about how to do something or what to do. But then we have something completely separate, which is that workplace abuse, bullying, sarcasm, racism, sexism, and unasked commentary on people's hairstyle and fashion. That kind of interpersonal conflict is serious, it is damaging, and let's just say it's outside the scope of what we're talking about here. Right. We're not looking to, to solve those problems. But in my mind, the conflict manifests as this kind of antagonism between people. And it often takes the form of, I'm, I'm just incompatible with somebody, as if they had to go to a judge and get divorced. And mm -hmm. there's that opposition of forces that defines conflict in my mind? Uh, I think it's, it's mostly a disagreement that once started. Um, maybe something has been boiling up before that. 
misunderstandings, clashes, um, even competition within the team, mm-hmm. um, or even just communication breakdowns. People wanting to say something and not getting across right, or passive aggressive emails, um, <laughs> things like this. Right. And you know, I, I kind of want to wade right in and say great teams, whether you're talking about teams in sport or teams in business, they're not devoid of conflict. There is conflict there. And I will talk about this in a few minutes, but you don't want to eliminate conflict. You want those opposing views and different ways of looking at things that make the ideas better. But in my mind, when I'm helping somebody with this or when I had to deal with it uh, running companies, some of the biggest culprits were a broken process or roles and responsibilities that weren't clearly defined, the boundaries weren't defined. And as you pointed out, bad communication. And I've said before on this podcast, I have a friend who's a director of HR who said every problem in business is the lack of an ability to give or receive honest feedback. And that speaks to that communication. And I think maybe just to add on, we don't, well, people come on the team one by one. We don't choose a team at once. We don't look at the synergies per se, you know, at ground zero. It's just rather we add somebody to the team, whoever is needed at that moment. And then some people just don't get along um, apart from, you know, communication breakdowns and such. And I think that is something so hard to solve. Um, it, nothing has to have happened for that to be annoying, uh, for people to just be irritated with each other, uh, to get really, really um, frustrated with collaborating together. That's something that should be addressed as well. Um, but I think just for the, for the sake of examples, we're going to be talking about conflicts and uh, things that clash or are different, different opinions, right? Right. We do have to point out that you don't have to like somebody to work well with them. Exactly. I wrote this in my notes too. (laughs) (laughs) And case in point, you sent an email saying today is the blue shirt day and I didn't follow your instructions. And yet here we are discussing these ideas, hopefully productively and cooperatively. When is conflict bad? Because I think that there's a benefit to it and a and a cost to conflict. I think it can be bad when people really, really don't like each other and thus, because of that, start ignoring each other or not working together or being passive aggressive in their communications. That's bad, that's detrimental, that's gonna be unproductive for the team's collaboration and for productivity and whatsoever. Um, It can decrease your productivity of the whole team, but it can also really mess with the morality of the culture, um, including increased drama and gossip and maybe like as an end of that people leaving the team because they just don't like the culture anymore or cannot handle the situation that keeps on having tension i think that's when it's detrimental yeah those are good points it points to the conflict costing people time attention and energy to deal with it and i have a friend who talks about people in work that don't get along as they don't like the way each other stinks. And that is largely true for almost anybody that's in business to have that combination of people. Mm -hmm. But if you can help people 
disconnect from their ego and make the interaction about work and understand that it makes everyone's work better, including their own, you've got a better shot at making that this person's not on my holiday card list a problem that manifests when it's time to get the project done or one of them needs something from another. And I think this is also one of the jobs of the owner or at least the leader of this company, being able to get all the heads in the same direction to make sure people are all behind the mission and thus are working with that in mind. Um, seeing past those differences and conflicts that could rise and rather see the bigger picture that they're all working towards. And if that's top of mind, I think it really helps to at least kind of diminish the problems that could arise from personal interconflict. Yeah, although, you know, I've, I've always said that if everybody in the room agrees on what the solution is, you've got the wrong solution. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, you should have... A founder or an entrepreneur should be able to communicate that major goal. You know, in the military, they call it commander's intent. But you want those disparate ideas and steps to get there because that's how the, the best comes. If we just for a minute stick to what conflict can really cost, if I'm upset with you, about your shirt or the way you did this thing in the meeting or I have to sort of justify my ego's reaction to it, I am necessarily not thinking about a, a solution, the next best thing, whatever it I can do to add to the team to make things better. And that's sort of like the opportunity cost of letting two people just peck each other to death over things that a lot of times they don't matter. Now, sometimes there are things where people disagree about the way the, the business should move forward or steps to take. But even then, it's incredibly unlikely that either one of them is 100% right and that there's some combination of the two of them or those two ideas that will actually be the best that the team can come up with. Right, and in that sense, conflict is very, very productive. I mean, having different opinions, looking at it from different angles, different solutions to the company's challenges, um, maybe even better decision-making, as you say, because there's different options on the table, and at least we have something to choose from. And in that sense, it would be productive, but I think in the end, the business owner needs to conclude that, that disagreement, and you know, the one in charge is the one who needs to decide, so then... Sure, there can be conflict and that can be productive and, and even be creative, but that should conclude to something saying, hey, let's decide on this because I decide so. You're working for the company, right? Yeah, and this is where you and I come at it from different points of view because the, the person at the quote-unquote top is less likely to be able to identify all the different trees in the forest and teaching by example, by process, by job description, people how to not resolve their conflicts, but use them to create a better solution takes that founder, CEO or entrepreneur out of that decision-making role most of the time and lets that founder 
or entrepreneur spend time on guiding the company as opposed mm -hmm. to being something like a referee? Right. One question I like to ask people that are in that position, whether they're the, um, the team members or whether it's the, the founder, is, is this negotiation without benefit? Are you trying to get people to get along because they don't get along? And trying to avoid like all that sort of like nasty interpersonal stuff? Or is the, this negotiation, hey, I've got this idea, I've got this other idea, what about this? Okay, let's sort it out and figure out what we want to do. There's a real benefit mm -hmm. that comes from that negotiation. Yeah. But if you find yourself saying, well, you know, Chris, just go to the bathroom around the cubicle and then you don't have to see him and he won't say anything to you. What's the benefit to that? Mm -hmm. eh, no. Not much. None. Right. Yeah, I know what I meant, just to kind of clarify my point, is that whenever the conflict isn't solved because there's two ideas on the table or two different uh, ideas on opinions, um, somebody needs to decide to end that conflict because we're not moving forward and that's not going to be productive to the mission of the company or whatever is happening at that moment. And then somebody needs to decide to end that and say, for the sake of the business growth or the sake of business progress, we need to decide on this uh, and just end this here and now. And obviously you want people to decide together and come to a conclusion or merge an idea or whatever that's going on. Um, but because of personal reasons, often that doesn't happen because the ego is involved. Yeah, yeah, and, and this, we can go straight towards the, the benefits of conflict, and that is that usually the best solution that a team works on is the solution that is most disconnected from individual egos. And to that end, I would, I would actually change what you said. Look, if you have a better idea in general, and maybe I can add 5% of it, a good position in a well-run business is, you know, you and I are, are working together. One's not senior, one of us is not senior to the other. And you came up with, I'm doing Rochelle's idea. Okay, great. Let me see how far I can take this. And if we do that for each other, the best idea or the best process is going to yield the best results. And trust me, your ego is still alive. But for that to be uh, possible, for you to want to take my idea and run with it, you need to be open to, you know, to want to work together and to collaborate and, you know, to see each other as equals in that sense. But that's just another topic, I guess, for another podcast on personal matters and personal leadership. True, except I want to add to that, that it's much more likely for me to tell my ego to take the day off and embrace your idea if doing that is appropriate and safe for where I am. So if I'm, in a, if I'm threatened, my ego is going to kick up and, and put up a hell of a fight. But if I'm not, and it's, in other words, Let's say that we have two ideas and we're in quote-unquote conflict about those ideas. And I, f I get to the point where I say, okay, this makes sense to me. I'm going to do this with you. And then it becomes apparent to everybody that, well, Rochelle had the bulk of what makes the most sense and I'm fully engaged. 
if in your organization you create a culture where, huh, David lost that one and Rochelle won, Mm -hmm. well, you just in some ways signed your own death warrant for the business. Right. But if it's normalized and supported, well, who knows? Maybe tomorrow it'll be the reverse or maybe we'll both fail or maybe we'll come up with something that'll be 50-50. If you don't have that culture, if that's not something that you support, it's going to be very, very hard for people to do it. Right. And it all comes down to, once again, the founders um, of this business and their culture, their way of working together. If they are coming at it from, I win, you lose, then the team will be like that too. Um, so I think healthy, healthy collaboration and giving and taking and creatively coming to something to, um, together, that's what you want. But it can't happen if the founders aren't coming at it this way. Right, which means the founder has to exemplify it and embody it because otherwise it's just, it's just not going to help. And in some ways, we're really talking about creativity, not the Galwa smoking, beret wearing, late night painting sessions, but the idea of thinking of things that are not readily apparent and being able to say, well, what if we did this and what if we did that? And I really don't like this idea of like make the workplace safe. But there's really no other way to describe creating a place where you and I can talk about things, even if we come at them from different directions and we think there should be different steps, trying to figure it out and not only is that okay, but yes, that is the best way for it to happen. Right. You know, when you think about these really cheesy movies where people who are quote unquote enemies are stuck together because of the snowstorm or the stranded elevator or something like that, they end up making the best solution, even though they're supposedly at odds. And I think that from that place of friction, that's where you come to new ideas together but also you have some bonding together and I think that's also really really powerful for the team bonding just to want to work on something together and to give in and take somebody as idea and run with it and then compliment the other person on it if the compliment's true right if it feels genuine enough yeah yeah <laughs> you can appreciate their effort which can be genuine uh, but just saying you know like a teenage girl oh my god that's so great when it's really lousy, that's not going to get you anywhere. And as an aside on bonding, the group field day where everybody falls back into each other's arms and sing songs together, that gets you nowhere. (laughs) That gets you absolutely nowhere. But protecting that idea of making mistakes and that Mm -hmm. being okay, to a certain extent, you're in business, you have to make a profit. But normalizing this type of process resolves, I don't know, 60, 70% of what people running businesses call conflict. And also taking off the pressure of needing to do it right at once and having the room and the headspace for this to happen, this process of back and forth and what if this uh, works, what if my idea is better, what if we can run with this, um, think if the pressure is lower if the stress is lower it's actually really really valuable 
um, and possible as you say, because there is space to actually work on it before it, it's done. I like that idea of space because one idea that I talk to people who are in the leadership positions, yes, sometimes you have to go in and adjudicate people who are stuck and figure out what the next steps are. However, much more important than that in the long term is some kind of curiosity about why are those people in that position? You mm -hmm. hired both of them. You can make the rules. You can make the process. You're an example. And these two people are stuck. Now, it might be that, you know, you hired mortal enemies because, you know, one rejected the other for a prom 20 years ago. And they can't get over it. But it's far, far more likely that something in the way the business works aims these two people's, people's intent together, you know, yeah. head to head. And they're just smashing against yeah, each other. Yeah, very fair point. I think it has much to do exactly with, is there a conflict in responsibility? Who does what? Um, or who owns this client? That kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And, and as you say, then, it's, it's very interesting for the entrepreneur to find out what's really going on there. Um, I think it's also when something like this arises, this conflict or this friction, it's also an example that you can set as an entrepreneur to really step up your leadership and say, listen, I think something is going on here. We need to like clear the air. Um, what are we doing wrong? What are we missing? What, what has been going on behind the scenes? And basically kind of understand the underlying informal culture um, behind all the processes and communications. Completely agree. And that also in my mind begs the question, do entrepreneurs have egos? Is that a question? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> you have to be really aware of that because you can't kill your ego and it's there for, you know, really good and healthy reason, but it can get so out of control mm -hmm. so fast. And a lot of times I get a question that's something that boils down to how do I referee this? How do I solve this? And there's, in my mind, there's two kinds of solutions. One is, okay, you've got a client deadline and you have to solve what is happening here and now to be able to do that. But the other solution is, again, that long term. Why are these people in that position? And the thing that I think helps the most is, you know, kind of like this stepped process of pulling the people apart and spending time with each of them privately. What are you doing and what's important to you and what else is happening? Don't talk about the conflict at all. And then a big piece of that is finding out what motivates them and what about the business is connected to that. 99 times out of 100, you find that they have incredibly similar goals, if not the exact same goal. And then when you bring the employees back together, that's what you concentrate on. This is what you two are trying to do. Why do I think that? Because you both told me. If you can demonstrate those common goals and start to, God, I hate the word, coach them or guide them on how to get to those common goals together, most times, even though they might personally not really like each other that much, but all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, you have my back in this way. 
no matter how many times I do it, that's just an incredible thing to see. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that idea. And I guess facilitating that discussion as well and showing that, you know, first of all, we're in this together. Secondly, we're all in this to move the, the mission forward. Uh, that's why you signed up for. And if you are capable of doing so and you're passionate about doing so and you have the right skill set to do so, uh, then we need to make it work. Uh, and pointing out the similarities would be a great way to do that. Um, whereas I also want to say, if it turns out that you have your one-on-one -on -one with one of them or both of them, and they just cannot get um, beyond this discussion of personal differences or you know communication differences or just hate, um, I think you also have to be really tough and just decide that one of these two is just too toxic for the culture and is really draining the energy of the whole team. Um, that's also something to decide on after those one-on-ones, I guess. Yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, the flip side to that is what do I need to do around the culture that makes it work? Because, you know, there are people that, <laughs> there are people that uh, are not my favorite and I'm not their favorite. But that's completely different than malevolence and incompatibility and like, as you said, sort of like real hate. Yeah, that exists, mm -hmm. but it's too easy to grab that and use that as a reason why things aren't working. And true, like I've had several instances where senior management, like we got to fire one or the other. These people are just, they're ready to kill each other and give me six weeks whatever, something like that. And all of a sudden they're working well together. And that is just, it's an amazing feeling. But if, if you're able to do that right before you start patting yourself on the back, you have to have some sort of deep introspection about, hey, what is the, what am I doing that affects the culture that allowed this to happen? And how can I change exactly. that? And those are not easy questions because... I can't tell you how many times people who are in a leadership position come, I have this problem. These two people, no, 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 no. And when we get closer to like some, some kind of peace, it's all about what that person does or doesn't do that puts those people in that position. That makes sense. So maybe you missed something when you were hiring them or when you saw them uh, interacting. Mm -hmm. um, and I think just going back to your latest point about, you know, people and hatred and all that stuff. I mean, it's also very childish to keep holding on to that. And then why after those six weeks of trying it out one more time, it did happen and you did, uh, you were able to collaborate easily, smoothly. Um, I mean, we also have to look at these people that we work with that work for us and just kind of, you know, be, be fair with them and say, you know, um, again, we're here for a mutual goal. Um, we're here on a mission. And if you're not, you know, serious enough, mature enough to set aside your personal issues with this person, then it's not going to work out. And as you say, you don't have to be best friends. Actually, you don't really don't need to. Mm -hmm. uh, we actually enjoy having different alternative views, uh, ideas, and and points of of, of ideas uh, and challenges here. But we cannot have this whole draining energy within the team because people are going to be affected plus I think others will take over this kind of you know behavior mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I completely agree with that and 
I think it's right if you, dear listener, are saying, okay, fine, but what do I do? And in my mind, and I think my experience says, look at your, look at your process. Look at how the work, whatever that happens to be, flows through the company. Is that well-defined? Are there, let's call them boundaries? Are those boundaries in there clear to everyone who's involved? Or do you think, and I think, that I should be the one that picks out the font for the sales report? Because that's just, it, it's going to happen. Especially if there's some kind of, you better do your job or else. Well, if I let you pick, then I'm not doing my job, and I might get fired, or I might get demoted. Like, that's not, those are not irrational fears in a really unsupportive organization. Same thing with job descriptions. I think so many people, they get hired for job A and it turns into job B and then it turns into job Roman numeral six, but there's no <laughs> documentation and they don't understand how did this move and am I still responsible for A? You know, those are, yeah. those are things that you can clear up. And I think another thing that founders and entrepreneurs often struggle with a little bit is giving people visibility on how the machine works. Not, we're going to be best in sales in Q2. Not that, but spending enough time with people so that they understand what their piece of work does in the entire organization because not being able to understand that is like sending a player out on the field and telling them to do something but they don't understand what everybody else is doing oh wait the people with different shirts are doing something else i don't get it this is worth another episode honestly yeah you know i realized when i was thinking this through the other day congratulations david and rochelle you picked another topic that could be a book <laughs> um, yeah. And then in terms of process, I actually pulled a list from some of my notes that when these things come up, I refer to. Make sure that you let employees contribute without punishment. And um, I'm blanking out on the general's name now, American general from the Civil War. He had junior officers go first with their ideas. Because one, you learn more, and two, it, it's not possible for the senior people to take those ideas, if that makes sense. Yeah. So if you can normalize making suggestions and observations and that being okay, especially if those suggestions and observations are not used in the end result, that goes a long way. Encourage revisions. When we make financial plans, when we make marketing plans, and everybody sits back sort of at the end of that process, like, phew, we got it. I always raise my hand and say, the only thing we know about this 100% for sure is that it is somehow wrong. We just don't know. And if you encourage that idea of revising it all the time, people are more likely to say, hey, what about this? And that might be the idea that moves everybody forward. It's that whole concept of this organization and the process and the job descriptions are somewhat plastic. We can shape them 
and let them to react to things going forward. To wrap up from my, my side, um, I think that we have to keep in mind as, as leaders and entrepreneurs that we are hiring somebody um, at once. We're, we're not putting a team together in one moment. We are hiring one after another, and thus we can have these kinds of things going on. Um, there is no perfect way to work together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually a, a lot of luck to have people work together in such smooth uh, ways and, and collaborations and actually wanting to work together and, and love each other, let's say. Uh, but that's not what you're here for. You have a mission and you need people to know what that mission is, as you said about you know playing on the field. If they know what their, their work is worth, but also what the other person's work is worth, then you take it more seriously to, to look at each other's uh, ideas and to run with that. And also say that it's not about you winning. It's rather about everybody winning together as an us, as a we. Um, and I think that's one of your responsibility as an owner and as a leader to, to make sure that you have um, really honed that down and, and showed that, expressed that very clearly, who's doing what and what for. Mm-hmm. And thus that there's room for that space to actually, yeah, move around with ideas, be creative before it becomes an end product. I also think that whenever something like this happens, when there is friction or when you feel friction, it doesn't even have to be already expressed uh, in words, just proactively go after it, have your sessions one-on-one, just raise it because you don't want to miss this and have this like explode in your face because uh, it's going to get better uh, or worse, sorry. Um, yeah, and it's going to hurt your productivity for sure if you, if you don't let that um, uh, solve itself. And I guess also we haven't mentioned it, I just thought of the word um, and it's not the right wording, but what we've been talking about, this kind of culture where people are just kind of like, it's me against them or it's my idea versus yours, has this very toxic masculine energy. And I know masculine is not the right word here, but kind of like, you know, fighting for it, for it to work and me, me, me. And I guess if we look at this from a more communicative culture, you know, empathetic, um, how we're doing this together, I love your ideas, uh, complimenting each other, how can we make this work together, mixing, I think that's more that you want to create of, that kind of culture, and you are the example. Um, so make sure that you look into your culture and see how you are acting with people around you. I like very much what you said. I want to add when a founder entrepreneur is aware of friction between people, he or she, I think, should be very, very careful about personally reacting or labeling that friction as some, something that's negative or bad. And if somebody comes to you and says, you know, David just won't listen to my, like, he wants to do this. Okay. All right. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what happened after that? Like, did you guys reach a resolution? Did you, is there, is there something I can do to help out with information? Or do you realize that this is the part of the machine that's working this way and blah, blah, blah. And if you are, okay, can you think of a different way? But if you react negatively to it, either internally or externally, you're just throwing gasoline on the problem. So summarizing that up, don't get emotionally involved. Like, let this be factual and look at it. Yeah, that's not a, that's not a bad way to look at it. And about the sort of like you're describing like a zero-sum game. If my idea, win, you know, it's like Tyler de Chardin who said, not only must I win, but my enemies must lose also. And that is the definition of yeah. being toxic. 
and malevolent. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's good to realize that whether we call it masculine or feminine or whether we call it, you know, zero sum game or like incredibly inclusive. I don't know if I've got that exactly right. <laughs> like both ends are really horrible. Sure. At least here uh, in certain parts of the country. And if you're watching, it's down there. <laughs> people are incredibly, incredibly polite. Ma'am, sir, good morning. And then as soon as you're out of earshot, they completely eviscerate you. And now where I live up north, uh, people are more likely to tell you exactly what they think, completely unedited and unfiltered. Both can go sideways very, very quickly. True. But as you said, if you can take some of your own personal emotional reactions out of it, carried forth by the ego, you're able to look at things and you can still appreciate somebody's involvement. You can appreciate what they're doing, that they're actually taking a small risk and putting things forth, even if you find yourself saying, yeah, I don't agree with that at all. But a lot of times you should ask yourself, if you don't agree, or if you don't like a piece of music or a piece of art or something like that, oh, that's a really good reason to focus all your energy on it. How do I understand this yeah. better? Yeah, right. Understanding each other's perspectives and seeing how they can actually write or better or mm -hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is, you know, episode 26 where we mention there's a lot of benefits to putting your ego in the back seat and just keeping it quiet when you're working. Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. So as a, as a little wrap up, I don't think we can wrap up everything, but you know, in my mind, a couple of big points are you don't want to eliminate this idea of conflict. Your goal is not to get everybody holding hands and sitting in a circle and singing Kumbaya, like, nope, 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 that's wrong. Um, and the best solution is going to be necessarily the solution that has the least amount of ego involved. You know, it's that whole idea of like, you want it to be productive and not destructive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As a little alliterative phrase. What would you, you got any parting thoughts on this one? Yeah, maybe just as an extra um, in terms of understanding someone else's perspective and frustrations or whatever comes up because it can go beyond um, beyond different ideas. This can go and, and be like a thing like I'm ignoring you, right? Don't forget there's people that have issues going on at home or in personal life or mental health that we cannot see or don't hear about. Uh, they will never tell us about and that causes them to react in a certain way, even to you. It's just a projection of, you know, what's happening. Um, so also be careful uh, labeling something um, in, in a certain manner. We have to understand people. Uh, we have to work with them. Um, working with people mm -hmm. is difficult, but as you said, you don't have to be best friends. Um, but don't let this get personal because you're all working towards a certain mission. And again, as an entrepreneur, you're in charge to make sure people understand that. And disagreements are not bad. It can actually be healthy to get to that mission. But don't get, let your ego get in the way. I think that's, that's the conclusion. 
That's really fascinating, actually, because that first part that you said, that whole David Foster Wallace thing about choosing what you think and being able to see people in a, in a light that you may not immediately, I don't know, mm-hmm. envision, that's incredibly personal, right? That's incredibly mm-hmm. personal. And yet this other piece that you said about, remember, we're here to do a job and we need to do that job together. You're right that it's not personal in the same way that, well, you and I have to be exactly the same, you know, BFFs to like get this done. And I think I think you've kind of inadvertently said something I think that's really, really helpful being able to understand the person and having that conscious choice of what you're thinking and what you allow yourself to consider as a possibility is the key to being able to work with somebody on a level of business that doesn't need that sort of like personal symbiotic relationship. That I think that's sense. really really I think that's a really good way to put that what you said. Well, thanks for finding and the words to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying to keep up, Rochelle, you know that. Yeah. But I think, you know, we'll put, uh, so David Foster Wallace had a uh, commencement address. I'm not even going to guess at the college because I'll be wrong, but he had this great way of communicating as he did with almost anything about that personal that that choice of how you think about the other person and that's a I think that's a really really great thing to leave people with because you're absolutely right to connect it to the ego because it's your forebrain doing it instead of your hindbrain yeah yeah don't forget things happen because other people have projections of things going on and Mm -hmm. it can get super super big for them and you don't have to be triggered by that. Correct. Correct. Which is, you know, Viktor Frankl about the space between stimulus and response, but it's, but it's slight, but those two are slightly Mm -hmm. different. All right. So now we know what we're going to put in the show notes. Um, we did promise more jokes this episode than last. I think we didn't really make it happen this time. Sorry. Anything's got more jokes than last time. That was That's really right. serious. Yeah. But we promise you that we have a lighthearted, more lighthearted topic coming up in two weeks. We appreciate you very much. We appreciate the messages. We appreciate your time listening. And we're looking forward to talking to you again in two Talk weeks. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening. If you're an accomplished founder in a leadership position and want experience, guidance, and support, contact David on davidafoster.com. And if you're an entrepreneur with a team who wants to be more in control of your business and your life and want to explore coaching, contact Rochelle on growtribute.com. You can find links to contact us in the show notes of every episode. We appreciate your listening. <laughs>